top bloke. That's the first comment under the review section on Peter Douglas's Ray White page and it pretty much sums up this 35-year real estate veteran. Pete swears he's never been able to sell anything. That's despite a record of real estate excellence stating otherwise. When Pete first started at Ray White Rural Queensland, he was running black and white ads in Queensland country life and writing letters to radio stations. With the evolution of the internet and mobile phones, processes may have changed, but the entertaining quality of Pete's stories hasn't. Welcome to The Greats. being part of something that started over 116 years ago in the humblest of beginnings. United by a set of family values that have been unchanged since 1902 that separates us from everybody else. Ray would be proud of what we've done. We've become a big company. Best advantage in being big is that we have the capacity to bring so much more back to you. Pete. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. We're going to dive straight into it and we're going to hit the books. Uh, I know the sort of high level sales that you've done over the past 12 to 18 months because we've written about a lot of them and you and I have spoken about them. Mm. But can you share with our listeners some of those top wins like the maybe the Glendower auctions? Yeah, no, the Glendower auctions were certainly uh, a highlight for me. Um also working with a different branch, so I worked with Andrew Thompson and Ed Dalton at Bow Desert on there. We sold 14 properties, all at auction. Um, I've just held a fib 13 at auction. One didn't quite make it, but we got it over the line the next day. For around 30 million, it was quite staggering to see properties that were making five to 10 million to have 30 and 40 registered bidders. It uh, it blew me away, it blew everyone away, I think. it's. Uh, and it shows the strength in the marketplace when people believe that they are genuinely looking at an article. It's for genuine sale. It doesn't matter whether you're at five mil or ten mil, at least you're in there in the hunt. And that's what that sort of sale does. How hard is it to auction off a, a rural property? Not hard at all. Isn't it? No. It auction I think rurally people are used to auction. We auction our wool. When I grew up, my parents auctioned their wool in Newcastle, so I didn't really know any other way. Our cattle were auctioned at Armdale sale yards. Our sheep were auctioned at Gyra sale yards. So auction was just the way it was. When I went to work, I went to work for elders in 1984, and everything was auctioned. So uh, initially, when I sort of in the early 80s, there was some properties were auctioned, and they were mainly the higher end of rural properties. Uh, in about 1985, CSR had a huge portfolio of properties that uh, sold for, look, I can't remember the figures now, but it'd be around 100 million back then for about 25 properties. And I think a lot of people, like me, saw, wow, look at the commission rates these guys are getting. I'm sitting here flogging my ass off on eight grand a year. Um, I've got to get a piece of that. And that's what probably changed my mind and got me into real estate. Yeah, right. Well, that was one of my questions is, I mean, I, I read that you uh, you went to, did you go to boarding school at Tamworth? Yeah, yeah, I went to Farrah in Tamworth. Um, went there, started there in 1978. Uh, so it's an agricultural boarding school uh, where you live and die by the sword. I suppose it was a tough school, but um, 
it gave me a good insight and the guys who I worked with back then, who I still who I went to school with, who I still work with now, when you look at the guys that came out of Farad, Jason Strong, who's head of the MLA XAA company, Andrew Straley, who's head of a, a small division called Hancock Farm, which is a Canadian pension fund that no one's ever heard of. Uh, John Howard runs Peanut Company of Australia. Um, there's a lot of people who got into that agricultural space out of our school who were all still pretty tight. Do you have to come from that sort of background to succeed in the agricultural industry in whatever job it is? No, I don't think so. I think if you've got drive, you can sort of fit it fit anywhere. Barry Quinn, who retired last year uh, as, and is one of Ray White Rule's most successful agents, uh, grew up five kilometres from the city and uh, sort of a day out was going seven k's from the city. And he's built an, he built an amazing business in the bush simply on the premise that uh, it's a rural property. It is what I'm selling. My job's to get people to the gate and for them to make the decision and not to become an expert in this property will run so many cattle or this property has that sort of grass. And I think probably today a lot of agents get confused with their job, uh, whereas I've always thought my job's to get people to the gate and let them make a decision. I've never been able to sell anything. It's, uh, <laughs> that's just the facts of life, I think, and people forget that. Pete, you're a sales agent who admits to not being able to sell anything, but your numbers, uh, you know, argue argue that statement. Yeah, but I think in real estate itself, the job of a real estate agent is to get people to a gate or to the front door of a house or something like that. So the person paying the bill, the owner has the opportunity to sell. Um, without them getting there, it doesn't matter how good a salesman or how good a talker or whatever you are, if you haven't had them through the door, through the gate, you have no chance of selling it. And that's where I think it's the most important part of real estate. I've always thought that. Um, I got taught it years and years ago at a clearance sale where uh, hardly anyone turned up. And uh, what was his name? John Bird said to me, well, we didn't advertise it enough, mate. We haven't got enough people here. We'll learn from our mistakes. That's, uh, Jesus, 1986 in Mitchell, I think, and uh, I've always remembered it. It's, um, if you haven't got people, you can't sell. So how do you get those people to the gate? Well, I think originally it was through newspapers. Um, when I first started here, we were running black and white ads in the Queensland country life. And because Ray White Rural back then, in 2003, there was only 16 people in the group that included office staff so Brisbane around Brisbane itself hadn't had any sort of push into that lifestyle market so we started to use the uh, Courier Mail um, started to use the Brisbane News um, started to write letters to radio stations saying can you um, do things for me for for our properties and just tried to push into that lifestyle market as best we could it's a uh, that has continued with newspapers. Uh, it changed over to the internet. And for things that I don't understand, like Facebook and Instagram, I understand what it does at the other end. And it's delivering people to the gate of the property. Uh, it's giving you a wider audience. And no doubt that'll change in the next 12 to 18 months. There are some facets of real estate uh, that I think won't move forward. And other facets, when I say facets of real estate, real estate advertising that won't move forward and others that will. Mm. You've been in the game 35 years. Mm. Do you remember your first sale? Yeah, I do. 
Mitchell, Eric McCulkin. Um, uh, it's a property, I can't think of the name of it now. It's west of Mungalala, west of Mitchell. Uh, we drove round it in a Falcon, John Bird's Falcon car, that's right. Drove round the property. Um, it was for sale for $6 an acre. Eric told me to offer him three. So back in those days, there were no mobile phones or any of that sort of stuff. So I went back to town. Uh, the owners, they lived south of Mitchell from memory. So I drove down there um, because you couldn't ring people with that sort of thing because it was all on the exchange back then. So you rang Byzantium for you and said, I've just got $3 an acre for your property. The whole bloody area knew. So it was easier just to drive down. Uh, went down, told them that. To my amazement, they accepted. Um, and I thought, shit, this is so easy. Like, how good is this? <laughs> and then I saw the commission check for it that came back into our office and I was a salaried uh, merchandise boy, really, back then for elders. And I thought, well, wow, that's pretty good. Um, so it it made 103000 or thereabouts back then. And, uh, and that was a lot of money then. And um, it's just sort of flown on from there. Uh, from little houses, I sold a couple of little houses in Mitchell. Went to Emerald, didn't sell anything because there were real estate sales people there and probably learnt lessons on what to do and what not to do. Then got to Wandoan and sold a few down through there. So, And then ended up here in, different, in a different sort of direction. Um, Lex Heineman and Bruce Smith were, I was lucky enough that they employed me with Paul White. And uh, my task, that they gave me was say this side of the range Pete just see what we can do there's a lot of country out here Ray White Rule didn't have offices in the places that we have now uh, so we now have offices in like Gympie-esque Tagulawa Bow Desert um, Wollumbar those sorts of areas back then we didn't have those so I was really sort of get in sell what you can so what we can grow and put people into businesses so mm. away it went you mentioned uh, a lack of mobile phones and and internet even in real estate back then things have changed dramatically oh, since have. you started yeah. and, and and particularly in rural because the lack of mobile phones in rural because of the distance issue would be huge mobile phones are the greatest thing ever bloody invented ever so years ago i would get home at six o'clock i would cook something get a bottle of rum and a bottle of coke and sit next to me and I would be on the phone then till 9.30 at night. And this was Monday, Friday night I'd go out, but then Saturday night you'd do a couple of hours and Sunday you'd be doing three hours again. And that was the way of an agent. It, the amount of contact you have today hasn't changed. It's just you have the ability to call people at like my phone starts ringing at half past five in the morning. Um, and no one rings me after eight o'clock at night anymore because they know I've turned my phone off because I feel like I've done my apprenticeship in staying up late on the telephone. Uh, also with inquiry now, the phone doesn't ring like it used to ring because people are more attuned to looking at something on the internet, getting some detail. If they don't know you, sending you an email, or even if they do know you, sending you an email, you know, Pete, X is for sale, what do you think it's worth? You know, the greatest question in the whole world. And then going back and saying, I've got no idea and starting that <laughs> uh, wonderful little debate. But uh, yeah, mobile phones have been terrific. Uh, internet has been fantastic. 
it's uh, I've only ever had one email address, pdouglas at raywhite.com. I never had another email address until Barry Quinn retired last year and he was in the same boat and he rang Nori and said, how do I get an email address? <laughs> <laughs> so I now have a second email address. I don't know why, but anyway, I've got it. So. Um, tell us some stories about some of your more memorable sales over the years. I know you've got a few. Um, yeah, look, there's lots of sales in lots of different price brackets. My favourite sale, if you can call it favourite, but the one that I find most memorable was for a family here in Brisbane. Uh, Peter, the chap, uh, asked me to sell his sister's property. Um, and it, it was in a very difficult time in the market. Uh, I convinced them to go to a no reserve auction. Um, the property was worth 50 to 60,000, we thought at that point. Um, I was told by Pete's wife, if it didn't make 50 grand, I'd be paying for it, to which we agreed um, that's what was going to happen because you've got to back yourself in life. Uh, you know, you can't sit on the fence, all of it. So we took it to auction, um, Wayne Jenke at Esk and myself, and uh, it's a, it was a property covered in lantana with a piggery in the middle of it, and people had come for the inspection and say, where the boundaries said, bloody easy. See where we ran the grade around the outside? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, it, and it had a house site, but the house had burnt down and all this other stuff. And we got the grader in, did the boundary, and graded a fence, uh, graded a road through the middle of it. Hazley Cush was the auctioneer back then, and um, there was no such thing as registered bidders. But we had done quite a number of inspections, about 50 to 60 inspections, which was off the charts back then. We'd done our homework, and we thought that we had around 30 in the room. And I think we're pretty right. I never went back and sort of worked it out exactly, but uh, it was about that. Some smart ass up the back went, because it was unreserved, Hazley calls for an opening bid of 8,328 mm. bucks or something on the side of the room. And I thought I was going to kill it dead for a minute. And I remember Pete's wife looking at me with these death stares and I'm thinking, shit, I'm going to have to find 40 grand here in a minute. Um, <laughs> but it kept going up. And... Uh, I do remember the number of different people who lifted their hand that day, and that was 26. Um, so I imagine we had 30 or 35 mm -hmm. bidders there. Pete's wife breathed a sigh of relief at uh, about 50, had a smile at a bit of about 80, and after we'd had our fourth bottle of wine and um, sand crab lasagna sitting down at El Centro, we were still shocked to think that we'd sold it for 175000 or something. <laughs> it, um, it was a hell of a sale. It, it really was. And it just went to show the importance of, again, getting people to the gate and people believing that something was a genuine sale. Um, I was appointed by Iluca Resources uh, to all the properties on Stratty. Um, I still have no idea how a rural agent gets appointed to that, but anyway, <laughs> it happened. Um, so with uh, Ray, she was the principal over at Stratty at that time, and I can't quite think of the names of the other people. I'm sorry. Uh, we auctioned 18 houses. Um, six the first day, and... Uh, I always, uh, 
the market was going a bit. We'd had huge advertising. We'd had a really good advertising campaign. And there were lots of people from the bush who got houses on Stratty that I didn't realise. So we were virtually carting buses. The ferries must have loved us. There were people going everywhere. You had the bloody book to get across there, which you didn't have to back then. Uh, the first six we were selling in the Sheridan. Um, I can't remember. It must have been Phil or Hazley was the auctioneer. I still get nervous before auctions to this day, but back then I was probably more panic struck. And so I was in the toilets just throwing up as I used to do and still do sometimes. And I walked out and I was washing my face and Alan White walked out of the other toilet. And he said, how are you, Peter? I said, yeah, I'm good, thank you, Mr. White. And then, sorry, Alan, because he never liked being called Mr. White. He always just wanted to be called Alan. And he said to me, how do you feel? And I thought to myself, how do you think I bloody feel? But anyway, look around and I said, nervous. And he said, yeah. He said, yeah. Don't ever lose it. He said, the day you lose this feeling's the day to get out of this industry. And um, that has sat with me ever since. Um, that was 2005. I think we did that, four or five, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, best ad- the best advice comes from leadership. Alan was a wonderful leader and he certainly put that on with Paul and Brian and now the boys, you know, that that sort of leadership uh, allowed me to sort of move forward, I suppose. But that's that sale, yeah. We sold all those things, all under the hammer. It was a bloody great day. We'd signed them up for 2.5% of the reserve and 10% above the reserve and I think we made about 800000 over reserve, so I can tell you the run was pretty good that night as well. <laughs> and they gave us the next lot and we sold 12 houses after that. Um Borry Creek, sold a place down uh, in Numanbar Valley. I like to have the owners in the room because I like to know what I'm doing. I like to be able to see people and how they're reacting. The doctor who was doing it um, said to me, I can't get there. I got surgery that day. And I said, righto, fair enough. So his reserve price was, look, I can't remember, like $2 million and we're at bloody $1.9 or something. And... Uh, I rang him and uh, the nurse answered the phone and said, he's told me you'll be calling. I'll just hold it and put it on speakerphone. So they've put it on speakerphone and all I can hear is some poor bugger getting their knee belted out with a hammer. <laughs> and I said, we're at 1.9 million. Ray, what do you want to do? He said, oh, just sell it. And I can hear the chink, chink, chink. <laughs> and I said, okay. And the nurse came back to me and said, what do you want to do? Just leave it there just in case something goes wrong. I said, just hold on to it. So uh, someone in the front row had given my phone and it was on speakerphone by accident. First, second, third and final call, want it, sold, and my phone went off. All the nurses and doctors in this thing going there. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, and that was a nice little sort of thing I remember. Um, the Serena Beach Motel. I was staying in the motel. We were going to look at another property. And uh, Kent Street, who's the principal up at Serena, picked me up. We went and looked at the property. We went back there. This Serena Beach Motel, it is bloody fabulous. If you've never been there, go there. Jesus, it is right on the beach. It is wonderful. Um, anyway, <laughs> Kent said to me, the next day as we're driving back to the airport, Oh, they want to sell that motel? I said, you're kidding me. And he goes, no. 
who do you think I should ring? I said, don't ring any of them commercial bastards. They won't know how to do it. Ring me. <laughs> so we turned around and we spent the next two days sorting it out and we auctioned the motel. And uh, we didn't sell it at auction. We sold it just after to the couple who still have it now, a young couple with their kids bought it. Um, five and a half million or something, 15 years ago, something like this. Um, and... I stay there a bit still to this day, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. Um, there's always other bits and pieces of mm -hmm. sales. I remember setting reserve prices. Uh, Barry and I, Barry Quinn and I, were setting a reserve price with people one day, and I knew that we were in trouble. <laughs> like they were way over the odds. And we sat down with them in this bloody room. We were at a cafe here in the city somewhere. And his name, who I won't say what it was, but let's just say his name was Bill. But what are we doing today, Bill? We need to set this reserve at about four million. And Bill's gone. Well, I was hoping to get six, but I read my stars this morning and he pulled them out of his pocket. And Barry looked at me and I thought, oh shit, we are in trouble. And he read out his stars and he set the reserve at 7.2 or something. It was just like. We had no hope, no hope. Anyway, it's a property we didn't sell. But, um, <laughs> Blame the stars on that it one, piece. the stars. Why do you love, I mean, those stories are, are fabulous and I can see, I can hear the passion in your voice and, and how you're telling them, but why do you love real estate and doing what you do every day? What is it about it? No, that's simple. I have no outlay and you can make money. Like, I love my job. I love my life. Like, Jesus, every day is a great day to me. Um, you meet different people every day. You get the chance to change people's lives, um, which in good times and in bad times, I've been, been involved in enough receiver sales to see the bad things as well as the good things. But you get your chance to do the best you can for every single person. And if you do that, and like, the money always comes. Um, I'll go four months and not sell anything. That's life, you know, like... Um, but all of a sudden you'll sell $30 million worth of property. It's rules a little bit different to Resi, I suppose, that way. But I love it. I love meeting people. I still love doing open farms. Um, I'm going to open a farm this Saturday that I first went to 14 years ago. And they thought about selling it then, but anyway, they rang me up to sell it. So away we go again out at Mount Tarampa. Um, yeah, I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy the social aspect of it as well. Like, uh, the rural department, we have a we have a wonderful office here. Once again, good leadership, Bruce and Jez, uh, down through our staff. We have Nairi and the balance, balance of the rural team there. We all love a beer. Um, there's no prisoners taken there. Everyone is teased relentlessly. We're completely politically incorrect, but we're us. And uh, everybody there loves coming to work. Everybody. And... Uh, it's pretty simple. If you don't like going to work, get out and do something else. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that's why you've been in the game for 35 years, hey? Yeah. Just because you enjoy it every day. I do. Mm. I do enjoy getting the beer at 10 o'clock in the morning when I come to do this with you. <laughs> Had to bribe you, Pete. <laughs> we'll be at a pub next time, I promise. <laughs> An old corporate roommate, so pretty, but anyways. 
if, uh, real estate at the moment, the market, there's, you know, talk of downturns and struggles and agents are kind of ho-humming along. You've been in this game long enough to know that it's, you know, swings and roundabouts. What do you say to the the ladies and, and gents on the street who are, you know, pulling out the tissues and having a bit of a cry over the current conditions? Yeah, toughen up. This, this is life you're dealing with. Um, real estate sells on an upward plane of about 10% a year or whatever it is. But it goes up and down on that upward plane. And uh, if you're not budgeting for that, you, it's at your peril. Um, I look at interest rates now and think, wow, I wonder if people looking at the difference between 3 and 4% isn't 1%, it's 25%. And I don't think people look at that well enough. The market, the market will always continue to go up. It'll never go down. Supply and demand—that was basic bloody economics. I learned at school, you know. Like I didn't do very well at school, but I worked that part of it out. It, but it's a tough world out there sometimes for agents. But I actually believe if you—I'm not just saying this because of Ray White. The, the, the training that Ray White give in their initial induction and their sales training, and I still go to auction trainings and that sort of thing, is really good. And if you if you're falling, you feel like you're falling behind or that sort of thing, talk to whoever and um, go back in and sit down and go, oh shit, maybe I should have been doing letterbox drops when I was you know sitting down having a coffee or something. That'll be the biggest change in real estate: drinking coffee. God, where did that come from? Um, <laughs> but anyway. That's and I digress. Uh, but yeah, look, I've seen three or four cycles now, and I've seen the amount of real estate agents build to high levels when the cycles are at the top and drop. I think during uh, the GFC, I think in Queensland there was three to four thousand real estate agents went bush, uh, and that'll happen again simply because they don't have the ability to get people to the gate. That's all it is. It's um, people say there's price, you know, vendors want too much money, and we all deal with that on a daily basis. However, if you've got people there and a vendor decides, well, we're at a million dollars and you've got 10 people there and they're only willing to pay 700, that's just life. You can't do anything about that. It's um, you've done your, in my opinion, I've done my job. I've had people there, we've got them to there, and the vendors are, are over the job. So be it. Um, most people eventually sell. And I think it's picking people when you're sitting down. We uh, we had a little training session uh, with a guy called Stephen over here, I don't know, six months ago. And he said, I used to look at the people on the other side of the table and think, are you going to be one of the 20% who don't sell? And um, I thought, I've thought about that since. It's um, probably not a bad thing to to think about. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just sit there and think, well, how are we going to go here? Uh, I also, when I sit down with people, I do tell them I don't expect them to like me, uh, but I just hope that we can get through this with good respect because there are going to be things that I tell you that you will not like and you need to be ready for that. And I've probably only done that in the last 10 years, but I think it's an important conversation to have at the start because you go... I think actually gauge where people are a bit better like that. It's, um, I don't know. You seem to get in your 40s and then your 50s and 
you're allowed to say things a little bit more, aren't you? It's like Pink Floyd, you can sing whatever you want when you get to that age. You get away with a bit more, Pete. I think people respect that honest and upfront approach that you have and it's um, certainly very down to earth too, which is refreshing because in the days of Instagram, as we mentioned earlier, and Facebook where agents are posting photos of their Gucci loafers and whatever else it may be, um, yeah, you're certainly uh, not in that... uh, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> in that bucket. No, I've managed to have a shave every day of my life. I still can't get over this bloody face hair thing, but anyway, that's life. <laughs> hey, uh, so talking of uh, the secret of sailing, selling is, is bringing people to the gate. How long do you plan on uh, bringing people to the gate for? How long, you know, is this until uh, uh, you're dragged out in your coffin? Or <laughs> no, uh, look, real estate's a wonderful career. You can stop or work for as long or as short as you wish. If you look at the leadership that Ray White has, Brian and Paul, um, who both of, they're not in their 30s anymore, but uh, they work virtually every day, or most days. Paul, I'd have to say, has a few other days off, but anyway, that's life. Um, But they, they both live great lives and I go to work seven days a week for half of the year and I love it. I also love in January and February going away for seven weeks. I love that as well because no phone, no internet, no connection with anybody for six weeks um, is the healthiest thing I do. Uh, I realise most people can't or won't do that but I decided with health that was what I needed to do and yeah, how long? Forever. I no. No idea, not a clue. Um, I suppose I could pack up the day and be live quite comfortably, but pretty boring sort of friggin' life, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do? Sit down and watch the bloody beach. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll stop when you stop loving it, which yeah. seems to me will be never. Yeah, no, I hope so. I hope to keep doing it. Peter Douglas, thank you for joining us. Where can, uh, where can listeners, where can agents, where can... Vendors, where can they find you? Is it a website address, email that you'd like to share publicly? Um, Ray White Rural in Queensland. I'm always about, they'll always find me. Um, I think these days, don't you just Google stuff to find people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the way you do it, talk to Google. See, I'm, waiting, I'm in front of this gear. Speaking of finding you, you'd spend plenty of Ks on the road. How many Ks do you reckon you clock up a week? Uh, nowhere near what I used to. Um, However, the guy's in the bush, and I suppose if I say Bruce Douglas, who's not related to me, even though he does look older, he is younger as well. Um, Bruce uh, certainly does a lot of kilometres. He's in Western Queensland most weeks, and he's back to watch school sports on the weekends, no matter what. He's a great dad, so, you know, like, uh, I don't know what Bruce is doing. 80, 90,000 Ks a year, thereabouts. Alex. However, you, but there again, the advent of mobile phones. He's on the phone in the car the whole time, so it mm. doesn't matter like it used to. And I believe if people do want to find you as well, they can jump on Twitter because despite not having a Facebook or Instagram account, you're, uh, you're on, the, on the Twitter bandwagon. I do, yeah, and I like Twitter because it means um, I like the news and uh, I I like the Rural Press Club and that sort of thing. So you see news there that in 
it's different that you don't often see in different stories. And I've always been a reader. I still read to this day. Um, and I just like looking on there, different stuff. And yeah, it's good. What's the book on your uh, on your bedside table at the moment, Pete? Uh, well, at the moment, it's um, Matthew Riley. And uh, what is it? Dragons, something about dragons in a service. It's uh, <laughs> I read all sorts of stuff. Uh, you always have, but um, Matthew Riley's a great Australian author, author. But I just read one by a lady. Her name starts with M. I can't think of a name. I can see a face. And she's an economist with the World Bank. And uh, it was pretty insightful as to, well, I don't know if any economists ever like right they're like real estate agents they like to think they're right but they're probably bloody wrong um but it was just a good insight into the world i can't remember the name mm. but i just toss stuff here and there mm. all right well if people want to follow you on twitter what's your uh, what's your twitter handle do you know it i'll put you no. on the spot here <laughs> i'll put it in the uh, in the show notes everyone so you can uh, follow pete on twitter i think it's just p douglas is it i'm not sure i have no idea I have no idea. Pete, thanks for joining the Greats podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's been great to be with you.